John 7, 38. John chapter 7, verse number 38, please, tonight. John chapter 7, verse number 38. We're going to talk about sacrifice and blessing. Sacrifice and blessing. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Sacrifice and blessing. John chapter 7. Look at verse number 38. We used this verse Sunday in one of the messages, but we didn't go in detail with it. I want you to notice it tonight, John 7, 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, again we come before you in your house and ask your grace upon us. We ask that, Lord, you manifest your presence here tonight as we so earnestly desire to meet with you and fellowship with you through the book that you've given us, the Holy Scriptures. I pray now your forgiveness of my sin, and I pray for grace to stand and speak physically, mentally, and spiritually. It's in Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Be seated. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Do we even contemplate what that means? If you're not in heaven right now, you're called upon to sacrifice and sometimes suffer for the glory of Almighty God. I know we don't like that suffering part. And sometimes we don't like that sacrifice part. But if you're still here and you're not in heaven right now, that's your lot. That's part of what God desires for our lives because he gets glory when he is manifested in your life. He gets glory when people see Jesus in you. He gets glory rather than being an old gripey, critical, grumpy Christian you have joy in your heart because Jesus is there. I talked to you about sacrifice and blessing. Notice he said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, what scripture? Well, Jeremiah chapter 2 and uh, verse number 13. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. He says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. In other words, they're living and working in the flesh. They're all about uh, the physical. They're, they're not about the spiritual. They're about the physical. For my people committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. God is the source of living waters. They've hewn them out cisterns. They've tried to make physically broken cisterns that hold no water. There is no uh, security in man's made worship and those kinds of things. So you find John 7, 38 says, He that believeth. Here we are back on that word again. We talked about it in depth on Sunday. It means to trust, to have confidence, to depend upon God. Do you depend upon God every day? For what? 
What do you depend upon him for? He that believeth on me. I want you to notice the second thing. Notice he says, on me, not in me. The devils believe in God and tremble, but they're not saved. They believe in God. Our faith should be on Christ, and our faith and our walk should be on him. Here's the difference. I believe in that chair right there. See that chair? That chair, I believe, can hold me up. I believe it. I believe in the chair. I believe in the strength and the power of the chair. How much do I believe it? I believe it enough to get on it. And it holds me up. Crazy man. I'm almost through here. July's my last time, boy. You haven't seen anything yet. I'm on the chair. I have trust and faith and dependence on the chair. I believe in the chair, but until I get on the chair, I'm not acting upon that faith. You get it? Jesus said, he that trusts, he that depends, he that has confidence on me, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said in Jeremiah, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now part of that on him is our sacrifice. Part of that on him is our own sacrifice. He said, if any man's going to be my disciple, then let him take up his cross and follow me daily. That means you're going to sacrifice yourself on the cross. It means you're going to die to self so that Jesus can live through you. You believe on him. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. <clears throat> Notice down in verse number 3. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he says, Blessed be God. What does it mean? Does it mean God's happy? It means... When we see normally, 90% of the time when God is blessed, as it says here, it means praise, praise to God. Praise Him because of His goodness. Praise Him for His faithfulness. Praise Him for His strength. Praise Him for all the things He does for you. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now that's great, but if you don't have any trouble, how can you have comfort? Hello? If you're never in a difficult situation, how can you have comfort? It's impossible. So sometimes we go through the difficult situations in life to see the great comfort of God, to praise Him. Look at verse 4. He is the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all our tribulation, in all of our pressure situations, just like Friday night, you know, was my situation. He comforts us in our pressure, in our oppression, in our affliction, in our distress, in our persecution, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Now here's the key, here's why you're left here that we may be able to comfort them, them. Who's them? Everybody but me. 
Who's them? Everybody that's going through the same thing I just went through. He talks about you and he talks about them. That God may be able, as he comforted us in all our tribulation, that we in turn may comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. Oh, I thought when I got saved all my troubles were over. Somebody lied to you. When you got saved, many of your troubles just began. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Look, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, our encouragement, our exhortation, our solace, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Sometimes I go through problems and troubles and trials and storms for your benefit. Not that I've done something wrong, and the same thing happens to you. Not that you've done something wrong, but you go through the, the problems so that God can comfort you, so that you will say, amen, God's a God of comfort. So you can show someone else <clears throat> who comforted us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Verse 6. Whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual, it has effects, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering. Now, did you get that part? <clears throat> How is our consolation affecting others and they can see a positive thing for their own life? Notice. It's effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings. In other words, oftentimes when we hit trouble, the number one thing we pray for is, Lord, get me out of this. How soon can I get out of this? What do I have to do to get out of this? When it ought to be, what can I get out of this? Lord, what can I get out of this? And how will it benefit other people? Oftentimes we think God is mad at me and, and it's unfair that I have this disease or I have this difficulty or I never, I never get rich like others. Oftentimes we, we pity party ourselves. I want to tell you, <clears throat> God uses all of us in different ways to different people. But everything that happens to you is not just for your benefit. Not just so you can see the glory of God working in your life, but so that others can see it. He talked about it. That we may be able to comfort them. That we may comfort them. That the sufferings of Christ abounds in us. And when we are afflicted, it is for your encouragement. It is for your strength and exhortation. Verse 6, 
Whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual. It is working in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. <clears throat> Someone said this. I wish I had thought of it, but I didn't. I wrote it down. It is not what we gain, but what he, God, pours through us that counts. It's not what we gain, but what he pours through us that others benefit from. You know, the trials, the sufferings, uh, the maturing. It's what God pours through us. If he's talking about, in John chapter 7, verse 38, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow living waters. <coughs> that's blessings. That's encouragements. That's edification to others. It's flowing from you. It's out of your belly. What God has worked and done in your life, he's flowing to others. It should be flowing to others to encourage them, to strengthen them, to help them, and to mature them in the faith. He that believeth on me. He that trusts and has confidence on me. Well, I believe in Christ and I believe that Jesus is able. Yeah, but are you taking the first step? Are you relying on Christ to hold you up? He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly. He that believes out of his belly shall flow to others living waters. Blessings. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's a quote. Jesus did not say, He that believeth in me shall receive the blessings of the fullness of God. But the he that believeth in me, on me, out of him shall escape everything he receives. I'm a firm believer that oftentimes leadership suffers more than fellowship. Leadership will suffer more than fellowship. Oftentimes he that has the vision will pay the greatest price. Leadership will suffer more than fellowship. Why? So that it might be a blessing to others as they see that life cheerful, joyful, continuing on, um, battling for Christ. It's not what Jesus does for us or in us, but what he pours through us to others that count. Is you're all on the, on the altar of sacrifice laid. The only way you can be a blessing to others is that you die to self. It's not all about you. Church is not about me. Church is not about you. It's about him. But we come to comfort one another. We come to worship him. We come to praise him and give him the glory for it all. It's not about what blessing or the fullness of God that Jesus gives to you for your own selfish uh, motives. It is what God pours through you to others that helps them that is valuable and important. 
you find uh, the principle of giving in the New Testament more than anything else. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He gave Jesus for our sins. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The giving of God. And he emphasizes that in our lives. Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given unto you. Acts 20 and 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. What's he talking about? He's talking about affecting the lives of others. He's talking about giving, giving our love, giving our finances, giving, 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 over and over, pouring through us the very person, the very love, the very, um, 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 you know, the very um, example of Christ to others. <clears throat> Notice a very common verse. <clears throat> Excuse me. Notice a very common verse in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You believe that? Huh? You believe that verse? Notice what he says. Put it back in common language. Don't be fooled. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man giveth, that shall he also get. Whatsoever a man giveth. Now it's not a NIV or a New Age Bible, but it is a, a thought. When you sow, are you not giving? And when you reap, are you not harvesting? You're getting. Whatsoever a man giveth, that shall he also reap. It's a law that God has instituted here. And Christ gave the ultimate. He gave his own life. Our Lord's teaching and what Jesus is teaching us here is to be anti-self-realization. Most of the times, any problems that we endure for a long period of time usually can be traced back to self. Pity or self-gratification or self-indulgence or self-promotion. Jesus was always anti-self, but he was always pro-others. Others. Our Lord's teaching is always anti-self-realization. As a matter of fact, I told you um, Sunday that that verse of Scripture in John 7, 38, he that believeth on on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. A person will be blessed and will be a blessing to others and an encouragement to others. What a great individual that is. But the, but the flow stops just as soon as we begin to think about self. You know, like, well, I deserve to be and I should have and I've worked harder than anyone else. I ought to be and... We start thinking about self or we start pitying self. And the flow goes from, uh, stops from going outward. That flow ceases to bless others because of our pity, our bitterness, our anger, our pride, our jealousy, our covetousness. That's all about self. 
Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. He tells us uh, very plainly um, there, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's not something that we try to attain. That's a command from the Lord. He says, don't be um, led about, uh, don't be controlled by self or your emotions or be controlled by the ways of the world or the manipulation of the world. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit himself. Die to self and allow the Spirit to have control. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit never comes upon anyone who uses him only for personal self-gratification. But the Holy Spirit ministers to you and me for the edification or the building up of the ministry. And what is ministry? But it's about others. I would give you the same message if there were 400 people here tonight. But there's not 400 people here tonight. My motivation is that you get what God wants you to have no matter how many people are here. Ministry is to others, whether you're talking about two, one, a dozen, a thousand, or whatever it is. Ministry is to others. Listen to this quote. It is not that God makes us beautifully rounded grapes, but that he squeezes the sweetness out of us. Some of us have so many trials of the wine press. God's squeezing the sweetness not, not to get rid of it, but he has to squeeze the sweetness that others might benefit from it. Do you get it? Look at Job. Job was a righteous individual, but God put him in the wine press. His life has been such a blessing and example to me and to many who have difficulties in life they cannot explain and they don't know why or where or what. Sometimes they're confused about it, but the essence of it all is Job stayed faithful to God and what happened? God blessed him with twice as much at the end than he had in the beginning. Sometimes God puts the squeeze on us. We're, Kathy and I got some, those big red grapes. Man, those things were huge the other day. They looked like ping pong balls almost at H-E-B. They were beautiful. Of course, I always taste them to make sure they taste as good as they look before we buy them. They were beautiful, round, plump, seedless grapes. We didn't take them home and hang them on the wall to look at. We didn't take them home and put them in a beautiful bowl like you might put flowers in a vase to pretty up the table. We took them home to eat. Man, every time we put them in our mouth and clamped down on them with our teeth, the juices just flowed. It was so good. Those grapes were not good for anything until you smashed them in your mouth and you swallowed them into your stomach and they were great. Jesus likens us to the vine. He's the vine and we're the branches. We're to produce those grapes. That's part of our lives. We're to produce fruit that someone else can enjoy and someone else can benefit from. Fruit in our life. 
It's not that God makes us beautiful, rounded grapes, but that he squeezes the sweetness out of us for the benefit of others. Listen, I, I didn't want to write it down, so I just copied it off. A few quotes. I don't know where this came from, but I give credit to whomever it is. Think about this. It's a good time to point out a truth about Christian service that for some reason we overlook sometimes. We say, well, I don't want to be in full-time Christian service. Look, are you a Christian? You've been saved? You're a servant of the Lord. You're in full-time Christian service whether you realize it or not. Spurgeon said it. He said, people worry about full-time Christian. No, I'm not surrendering to ministry. I'm not going to be a missionary. I'm not... And what they fail to realize, if they're a child of God, they're in ministry already and they are a servant. This person writes, sometimes we overlook that God is as concerned about the servant as he is the service. God is as concerned about the servant as he is the service. If all God wanted was to get the work done, he could send angels to do it. They would do it better, faster, and more glorious than you and I could do it. But God's not interested in just the service. He's also interested in the servant. He not only wants to do something through us, he also wants to do something in us. That's why the hedgehogs or the little demons come along once in a while to show up in our lives. God uses them to encourage us to pray, to trust the word, depend on the spirit for love and grace. Difficult people and difficult circumstances can be used by the spirit to help us grow and become more like Christ. Someone said, when these difficulties come, our tendency is to pray for deliverance instead of growth. And we ask the Lord, how can I get out of this? What we fail to understand is that we miss the opportunities that God gives us to develop spiritual maturity oftentimes by the difficulties that come in our life. Sometimes you feel like quitting and running away and that's the worst thing you can possibly do. You've heard me say that time and again. Resigning from your church or giving up your Sunday school class, leaving the committee or abandoning the choir will never solve the problems or meet the needs in your heart. You'll probably meet the same situation and the same people only with different names in the next ministry you accept. God will not let his servants run away until he accomplishes what he desires in their lives for them. He didn't let Elijah run away, did he? He didn't let Jonah run away. He didn't let Gideon make excuses. Yeah. Well, when you think about the this doctrine of sacrifice, there's also the blessing. 
If the worker doesn't get a blessing out of the work, something is radically wrong. If the servant who's serving God does not love what he's doing and realize the greatness of it and gets joy from accomplishing what God has put them to do in life, something is wrong. It's not about serving God with dread and fear and anxiety and I don't want to do this, but I'm going to, I have to, I have to do it, but I don't want to do it. It's not about that at all. The worker should get a blessing out of the work they're accomplishing. Serving God isn't punishment, it's nourishment. Remember what Jesus said? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And unless you really love people, you can never really help people. I hope the next pastor that comes, um, I've talked about it with several people, but I hope the next pastor that comes is a real people person. I've been uh, criticized as being mean and narrow-minded and one thing and another, but that's really not true. I just have that countenance and I have that reputation. I'm really just a big old teddy bear. But I hope that the next guy, I, 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 know, I know men who have an ability to love on people. And I hope the next pastor has that. One of my mentors was that way, Jimmy Tharp, who was here years ago. Brother Tharp was just a big old teddy bear. Big old lovable guy who just loved on people. I think that's been part of what has been missed in the years that I've been a preacher. I've been hard. I've been straight down the road, but it's been the truth with love that you find in Ephesians chapter 4, telling the truth because of love, because and with love. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't preach to you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't try to teach you. If I didn't love you, I'd just take my money and run, but it's tough love. Anyway. When your service produces fruit, God is glorified. Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. When you produce fruit in your life from the trials, the furnaces, the storms that's come, the diseases, the heartbreaks, the heartaches, people being unfaithful to you and all of those areas, and God has comforted your soul, oh, what treasure you have. You say, I don't know anything about ministry. I don't know how to teach a class. You have life experiences, don't you? You have experiences that God has taken you through and you have learned that he is faithful and he does answer prayer. You have a treasure chest full of things to give people. There is a difference between fruit and results. You can get results by following formulas or manipulating people or turning on your charisma. But fruit comes from life. If the vine is dead, 
there is no life-giving fruit. Fruit from ministry and fruit from serving comes as you sacrifice yourself, you become a blessing for others. You can get results immediately, but fruit takes time to mature. So there you are, the sacrifice and the blessing. And John 7, 38, pouring through us that which is a blessing to others. Notice four things I list. Being a channel of blessings to others. Being a channel of blessings to others. Let me go back and say this. It's not that God makes us beautifully rounded grapes, but that he squeezes the sweetness out of us. Spiritually, we cannot measure our life by the accomplishments or the successes that we have or fail. Spiritually, we cannot measure our life by success or failure, but only by what God pours through us. And then in the end, we can't measure that at all. We don't know what God's doing through us, oftentimes. So here's four areas that you can be a channel of blessing to others. Number one, of course, salvation, evangelism. The book of Acts, the Lord uh, in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, uh, beginning in verse 3, he said, uh, to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, being assembled together with them. This is Jesus with his disciples in the early church. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, ye have heard of me. And then, of course, that famous verse down in verse 8, he said, stay in Jerusalem until you receive the power from on high. Salvation, evangelism, is not just um, through your church. It's not just uh, missionaries to take care of. Uh, you're a channel of blessing um, to your relatives, to your friends, to those you work with, to those you know, to win them, to teach them that the only true Satisfaction in life is knowing Jesus Christ. There's a second channel. We're to be a channel of blessings to others, not only in salvation and evangelism, but encouragement and exhortation. Encouragement. Encouraging others. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse number uh, 13, he says, well, go back to... Um, Verse 12, Hebrews 3, 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, of not exercising faith, trust, dependence. Be careful that you don't have an evil heart. God calls it an evil heart when you don't have faith and trust in him. Take heed, brethren, lest there be of any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God but exhort one another. That's encouragement. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. If we just keep on keeping on, we're not distracted. We're not turned aside. We keep on 
an encouragement to others. Man, it's an encouragement when I see the same people in the same pew every service. It's an encouragement to see people there. But you're more. God has made you more than a pew sitter. God has given you gifts and God has given you um, um, trials and things to go through where he's comforted you, brought you through where you can encourage others in the same manner. Then there's a third area that you can be a blessing or a channel. And that's in counsel with other people. Sometimes advice. Now, you know, you might be wise not to give advice unless you're asked for it. Sometimes I, I told someone not long ago, I said, you don't understand. They said, why do you always have to give advice when it's not asked for? I said, because I'm a preacher and it's my life. If I see something you're doing or you're not doing, now I have to be, I don't do this to strangers necessarily. Well, sometimes I do to strangers. But more in particularly to those that are close to me. I say, you know, you ought to be doing it this way and that way. And I don't have that gift of um, that perfumed uh, conversation, that flowery conversation is just Straight to the truth, right like that. And sometimes it's hard to swallow. Why do you do that? And I thought about it a minute. I said, because I've been there, done that. I know the troubles you're about to entail. I know where you're about to go. I know what, what road you're on right now and where if you don't take the next exit, you're going to be in a whole lot of trouble later down the road. Why do you always have to give advice because I know what the answer is to that. I know what the truth is to that. There are things that I don't talk about. I don't talk about splitting the atom. I don't know anything about it. I don't talk about walking on the moon, never been there, done that. But there's some things I can give counsel about. There's some things that you should give counsel with. In Proverbs chapter 9, notice what he says about that. Proverbs 9 and verse 9 <clears throat> Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Oh, Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 9, 27, 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. In other words, a good friend will give you good advice. Even though you don't want it, it'll help you. I, years ago, I had a friend that was going through divorce, and I tried to comfort, and some of the things I told him were just straight and you know, sometimes that's hard to swallow, but all my intentions were to help, not to hurt. And that's the way we are. And that's what he says here. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. A man's sweetness of hearty counsel by a friend, by a friend. Counsel people. You've been there, done that. You see them heading that direction, head them off. Try to help them. That's the doctrine of 
sacrifice to be a blessing. Lastly is this. I understand Brother David's been teaching some on spiritual gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 7, Ephesians 4, 7, you find the Apostle Paul writing and he says, but unto every one of us, that means all of us that are saved, and here we are in the church of Ephesus in the book of Ephesians. If you're part of the church in Ephesus, you've been saved and you've been baptized. Probably one of the disciples baptized you. It's not important who, but just the right authority. And so here Paul writes and he says, unto every one of us, this is not talking to the universal church in the world. This is not talking to every born-again believer in the world. Every born-again believer is in the family of God, but not in the church of God. Now notice, he says, but unto every one of us is given grace. It means a gift of grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I think if you go back to Romans chapter 12, you see where he gave spiritual gifts, those kinds of things. You have a spiritual gift. You've been born again. You're in the family of God. You've been baptized. You're in the church uh, of Almighty God, and you belong to him. You've been given spiritual gifts that would edify the body of Christ. You've been given spiritual gifts to lift up and build up the body. What body? The local visible church. And if all you do is come and sit in the pew and all you do is, you know, sometimes critique things, you're wrong. You have gifts. You say, I don't know that I have gifts. You have gifts. You ought to look for them and try to discern what they are. God has given to every one of us a measure of grace. It means you and I may have the same gift, but you may have it more abundantly than I do. Or I may have it more abundantly than you do. But we may all have part of the same gift, but there's differing gifts. He's not talking about speaking in tongues. Those are not spiritual gifts that are lasting. But there are other things, administration and shepherding and giving. Giving is a gift. And those kinds of things. And he says, unto every one of us is given grace, a, a measure of grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Look down in verse uh, 15 and 16. And he says, but speaking the truth and love, that we may grow up into him. Into means unto or abiding. That we may abide in him. Abide in Christ. Speaking the truth and love, that we may grow up learning to abide in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body. Okay, look up here. Tonight, we don't have the whole body here. We have members that are not here tonight. Every member of Southwest Baptist is part of the body. It'd be great to have all the parts at one time in one place. But those of you who are here are part of that body and he says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. What does that mean? It means you supply some things. You supply your spiritual gifts. You're not, it's like faith. It's not, I believe in the chair. I believe in the chair. No, it's, I believe on the chair enough to get in it. I'm going to get in that chair. I believe on the chair. It can hold me up. Hallelujah. There it is. Spiritual gifts are not for you. 
They're for others. Spiritual gifts. The gift of teaching. The gift of shepherding. Uh, the gift of pastor-shepherd, um, the gift of giving. Uh, all of, There's more. Administration is a gift. And when all of those things are put together in the body and people are not using them to promote themselves, they're using them for the edification, the building up, the lifting up of the local body, and they see themselves as part of that. And what I give from my spiritual gift is contributing to that, then the thing, he says, look what he says. He said, um, verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part. Boy, now break that down, read it slowly. What does it mean? It means I have the gift of shepherding. I have the gift of teaching. I have the gift of being a pastor, a shepherd. But that gift doesn't go just to full-time preachers. It also goes to Sunday school teachers and those who can do discipleship courses and those kinds of things as well. That gift can be used. But he says, according to the working of measure, you may not have the same measure that I have, but you have a place where it needs to be used. I have a place where it needs to be used. And notice what the, the effect is. According to the effectual working, it works, affects, it affects the rest of the body and the measure of every part. What happens? It maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The body is increased in love. The local visible body increases in love one for another and it produces others who become part of that body, edification means the building up or the building out. And people are added because every joint, every individual recognizes they have something to give. And that's what we're talking about tonight, sacrificing, giving, giving. And realize that Galatians 6 and 7 says that uh, be not deceived, God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man giveth, that shall he also get in return. Gunner paraphrase. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, sowing and reaping. Sowing is giving seed. Reaping is getting it back in abundance. So as you give, you get back what you give. You give love, you get back love. You give money, you get back money. You give administration, you get back. All those things go to health. The doctrine of sacrifice and blessing. That's what it's all about. And that's what Jesus was saying in John 7, 38. He that depends on me. I depend on that chair to hold me up. As the scripture hath said, out of his belly, out of his heart, shall flow, not trickle, not barely drip, but shall flow rivers of living water. Is that your life? Are you as an encouragement to others, as flowing rivers of water? Or can they barely get a trickle? God has to squeeze us as grapes to produce the sweetness that others can enjoy before it comes along. But the 
bottom line, it's not all about us. When we start emphasizing self, we start going in the opposite direction of being a blessing. Now we become, um, you know, self-centered. We become critical. We become poisonous. Uh, we become negative. Uh, we become without hope, without joy. It happens. He that believeth on me from his heart, from his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So, so sometimes we go through things in life to experience it and to experience the hope, the reality of God intervening and seeing his hand of deliverance so that we can encourage others, don't give up. God's hand, you may not see it right now, but he's there. He'll help. You may not experience it right now, but God has his eye on you. He's going to help you. Be an encouragement in those different ways. Let's stand and be dismissed today.